This is Lou Elizondo, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy. Just before I bring in my guest, I want to say thank you to everyone for listening in what is the week of the two-year anniversary of the podcast. Confirmed already for me is Professor Gary Nolan. Some of you may know that. And just confirmed last week with me, uh, Jeremy Corbell will be joining me on the 3rd of May for a conversation too. So a couple of really big guests in May following on from the guests I have with me today. So email any questions for those guests to UFO UAP at gmail.com. Both of those, as you can imagine, are going to be incredibly popular. To my guest for today's pod, making his third appearance for an interview, former head of the Pentagon's ATIP program, Mr. Luis Elizondo. Lou, welcome back to the podcast. Always good to see you guys. Thank you so much. And thanks to your, uh, your great audience, too, for having me and spending a little bit of time with us today. Always a very exciting conversation, and it's one of those. Hopefully, we can do it justice for the the many people who have sent in questions. And I'm only sorry I couldn't have you for five or six hours to get through even half of them that have been sent over. Uh, Lou, it's been four and a half years since you resigned from your role at ATIP and came forward alongside a a team of others at Two of the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, as it was known. A lot has happened since then, and as we sit here now, how do you reflect upon that time? Oh wow. Uh, you know, Andy, it's, uh, it's been bittersweet. Um, you know, I never wanted to be in a situation where I had to resign my position in the first place. Um, but unfortunately that was, um, that was, uh, the hand I was dealt. And as I've said before, you know, a lot of us in national security take our jobs very seriously. In fact, we, we, we go to war for it and and are willing to, to put our lives on the line for it. So, uh, for me, it was a very difficult, um, decision and a difficult journey, but uh, a decision that really was already made for me because a a lot of people that are in my situation, it's not just me, we take an oath uh, and that oath is to the American people and to our constitution and and our government and whatnot. And what it's not though is an oath to bureaucracy. And there comes a point if the bureaucracy becomes uh, overwhelming and becomes uh, a, a hindrance, an interference then uh, one has to make a decision. And, and there's this unwritten code of ethic that we have within national security. If you can't fix the problem, you don't make it worse by staying. You, you leave um, and uh, try to fix it maybe from the outside, but you don't want to be disruptive while on the inside. Uh, that's, that's, that's not the proper way to do it. So I did what many before me and after me have, have, have done. I've, I've resigned. I resigned my position uh, uh, as a as a matter of protest, because I, I could not get the attention that was necessary on this topic at the time through my chain of command. Now I think people are seeing the rest of the story. There were there were deliberate roadblocks. I, I I actually could not brief certain elements within my chain of command simply because of of, of issues involving them, character issues, and, and and other other issues. And so what I wound up doing is um, taking it to the streets. And uh, I, I didn't think that when I when I left, um, it would it would have been received, especially by the one community that was dying for information and transparency. I was really surprised to see a lot of the the, the pushback, if you will, um, and the disbelief initially. Uh, I, I'm not, as you know, I'm not a ufologist. I'm not, I'm not into ufology. I'm just a government servant. And you know what we did was look at UFOs. And that's just the bottom line. And when I came out and we had that conversation. I was surprised at the amount of distrust people had 
uh, in, in that fact. And I think a lot of it is because in the past, the government probably wasn't transparent. Keep in mind, I was relatively new to this. I came into ATIP in 2008. So a lot of the history I, I wasn't aware of, and nor did I really concern myself with. Um, you know, so for me, it was whether I'm chasing terrorists or chasing spies or chasing UFOs. It's pretty much the same kind of job, really. Uh, and so, um, you know, it was only later that I realized that there was so much distrust by 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 the American people and by, frank, frankly, citizens of the world uh, on this topic, because governments and I say the governments, plural, have lied about this topic for so long. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess there's a lot of mistrust. And so. So that was hard. And then, of course, uh, after about a year, a year and a half, um, the Pentagon began to to change its position elements within the Pentagon after after Secretary Mattis, Jim Mattis, uh, you know, who I would consider, you know, an incredible human being, a friend. In fact, um, once he left, they started changing their, their position because they could get away with it. And those individuals who had held a grudge against me now had a. a, a an ability to 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 really try to make my life miserable and unfortunately misuse the government apparatus, for example, the public affairs and officers and, and, and communication channels like that to, to try to discredit me. And that was very, very tough because that really affected my family very much. And I, I, I couldn't just come out swinging. Um, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. So I had to bite my tongue and I had to initiate certain um, efforts. Now people know the, the IG investigation being one of them, several in fact, um, and try to allow the system to work. And, and while engaging, you know, elements within Congress and the legislative branch, elements within the executive branch who knew who I was, they were there when I was giving briefings, senior, very senior people. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, to, I, had to, I had to be very careful and very clever how I, how I pursued this because they wanted to cat back in the bag. And so fortunately, I had the help of people like Chris Mellon giving me advice, uh, other individuals who, who I won't name right now, but will probably come out in public at some point, uh, how to how to maneuver this. And, um, you know, it's been it's been a long it's been a long fight. It's been been, been a long. And, and unfortunately, it, it, it's not over. Um, you know, there's there's still a lot more work needs to be done. Um, I didn't do this to, to, to salvage or save my own personal credibility. I did it to salvage the conversation about transparency. And in order to do that, we had to get the facts correct. We had to get the, the Pentagon to, to come correct on their positions. And unfortunately, we had to expose a lot of the, the contradictions that, that were being made by that bureaucracy. Uh, and by the way, let me be clear. I don't, I don't want to hold the entire Pentagon or the entire Department of Defense uh, responsible for that. It was only a few individuals, very, very powerful, very well-placed individuals that really were, were trying to obfuscate this, this message. And, and those individuals have subsequently been called out. Um, you know, again, there's a few more, I think, uh, speed bumps that, that are going to have to be addressed and, and, and potentially removed, but we've come a long way. And, um, you know, as far as my my own personal experience, I wouldn't have wished this on anybody. It's been extremely difficult on my family. Uh, tough for me because I had to see the pain that they went through uh, because they, they know who, who, who I am and, and what I stand for. And to see the constant attacks and to see that the Pentagon was favoring certain media outlets to you know push their agenda and their information. And it was obvious. The problem, it wasn't obvious to, 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 to the public. Um, you know, for some folks, it was, I think, and, and, you know, you're starting to see now articles coming out 
by individuals uh, who have a really good understanding of what was going on. But those voices were the minority for a long time. And um, I think, yeah, I mean, there you have it. It's it, it was just been a really tough journey for me personally and, and for my family. Just for context, I've tried to split this interview up to past, present and future. So if there's anything people may be listening to thinking, follow up on that. It, it may come later down the line, depending on how it goes. Uh, I want to ask you, Lou, now, I want to try and make this fair. I, I get called out for being a, a fan of yours and whatever that might may entail. And I, I've said, yeah, I put my eggs in the Lou Elizondo basket at the moment, you know, and I was a fan of TTSA and what they set out to accomplish and what was accomplished. But I think it's fair to say that you, you are human and you've always said that. And along the lines, you will have made mistakes. What Absolutely. is the biggest mistake you've made or, or misstep you've taken since leaving ATIP? And what did you learn wow. from it? Wow. Uh, you know, Andy, I think the biggest mistake I've made is one that I haven't been able to recognize yet, because if, if I don't recognize a mistake, then I can't fix it and I can't address it. And I'm sure I've made a lot. You know, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes and I try to hold myself accountable and, and very quickly address it. If I say something that's contradictory or I say something that that later on turns out to be to be inaccurate because it's either my opinion or the way I, 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 I read the information. Um, I, I always try to hold myself accountable. My, I guess my biggest fear, or my, my greatest mistake are those mistakes that I've made and I, I haven't recognized, they haven't brought to my, been brought to my attention yet. So I, 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 I'm unaware of them, right? And I'm very careful because a lot of people hold on to every word that I say. And I've, I've, I've been very clear. I, I leave breadcrumbs in some cases, you know, <laughs> loaves of bread along the way for people to follow. Um, but if I've made a mistake and and it hasn't been brought to my attention or I'm unaware of it, then, then that's 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 truly the biggest mistake because because it can't be fixed, right? It can't be fixed until it's 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 made made brought to my attention. I'm made aware of it. So um, I guess it's the mistakes that I don't I don't realize I've made yet. In your last Jimmy Church interview, now we started arranging this during your, your media run announcement back in February. Um, you said at that time you'd just come back from one of the most successful ever visits from DC. Um, what makes a successful visit in this, you know, in this topic in DC? Yeah. And I want to know as well, I, I'm a fan of the West Wing TV show. And I remember at one moment of an episode where they, they said at the start the previous administration had almost cured cancer and they used that as a let's go cure cancer let's go and do that big thing did you have any nearly moments in dc where we almost got a level of progress that we don't have yet and for whatever reason it didn't happen yeah uh wow what an insightful question um every trip to dc is successful um you know it depends it depends who we're engaging um, there's always new information to be discussed and new developments and new incidents, new data. Uh, but then there's also the conversation of where do we go from here, right? And when 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 people are having a, a healthy debate on what are the next steps, that's fantastic because that means people are, are thinking about the right things. Um, as far as a almost moment, yeah, there's, there's, there's one in particular, but unfortunately, I'm not at liberty to discuss it yet. Um, it, it occurred some, some time ago, some colleagues were involved in it. Uh, there was a discussion by, by some very senior people in a, in a former administration to potentially discuss disclosure. Um, and for whatever reasons, it was decided later on, not, you know, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't time. Um, I, I wasn't privy to that. I don't know all the details and, and I certainly, 
you know, it's preliminary right now for me to even comment on it. Uh, but there have been those moments where where we've come very close to something. And, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, it was decided uh, that maybe the timing wasn't right. Um, but again, I, I want to be very careful because I, I, I'm hearing this third hand. Uh, so I, I don't want to I don't want to say too much um, because, you know, I, I wasn't there. And can you talk about any realizations during or after moments uh, during your time in ATIP? It's no secret with your clearance, you would have been privy to, to some of those videos or pieces of footage or, or the data some of us would love to see. And we hear about, we hear talked about, you must have sat back and just went, wow. And just had to take a yeah, moment, whether it was in an office or in a car, or can you talk about any of those? Yeah, I mean, the, I, I always reference a 23-minute video. That, that That's a very compelling video. That at some point, if it comes out, people are going to go, holy smokes. But that's not just the only one. There's, I mean, people, I've said this before, and let me, let me if I can maybe reemphasize it. This is happening every week, guys. This is every, this is not, I mean, if you're focusing on the Nimitz, not you, but people are focusing just on the Nimitz or the Roosevelt, um, you're focusing on the wrong things because this is happening every week. Data is coming in from all over the world from from U.S. collection assets. And again, I want to be careful to say what I, what I you know what I say here, but but this is happening every week, uh, and more and more people are coming out and, and and reporting these incidents and capturing video and 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 telemetry data and and whatnot. So. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say, you know, was there a moment? Because every moment, every time you, you think you, 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 you've seen, you know, the, the, the ultimate video, then then more data and more information comes out. And there's another one, right? And then there's another one. And there's another one. And your pilot coming and saying, look, I chased this thing for half an hour. I, I couldn't get close to it. You know, I mean, it's it. So there, there's not just one compelling video. There's, there, there's a lot of, of, of data out there that's continuing to come to, to fruition, uh, uh, regarding, um, regarding the efforts and the policies that have recently been put in place for that information to be reported. Um, you know, there was a hope that, that increased reporting would occur. And again, like I said, that's coming to fruition. It's, it's, it's happening. Over time, you mentioned pilots chasing these objects for up to half an hour or longer. And back in the, the Tic Tac event, that's been talked about ad nauseum. Um, that they were they were they hovering for hours and you know twelve hours at a time, which we just don't have that technology. Has there been any data presented to yourself you can talk about that we've noticed that the technology of these UAP have improved over time? You've mentioned that uh... going back to the fifties and sixties, we've seen these objects, but. Is there any notable difference now? No, um, it, it seems to be the same technology being displayed. I mean, we have radar tracks and radar data. These things doing upwards of thirteen thousand miles an hour in low Earth atmosphere, where the friction coefficient of that is 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 astounding. It's it's almost like um, it'd be like swimming through dirt. Uh, it's just the air is so thick, and when you're moving that fast, you know, air density and air friction is is, is problematic. That's the reason why. Case in point, the SR-71, Lockheed Wife 12A SR-71, the Blackbird, um, it, is, it is an aircraft comprised entirely of titanium um, because it, it gets superheated. Even though it's flying at you know many tens of thousands of feet in altitude and, and traveling at 3,000 3, 3, 
3,200 miles an hour, forgive me, um, the friction is so high that on some of the colder parts of the engine, it's still like 800, 900 degrees. So, and that's at 3,200 miles an hour. Imagine, imagine, you know, speeds several times faster. Um, it's, it's almost unimaginable, almost incomprehensible. And, and, you know, the SR-71 is, it's very, very high when it, it, it's flying like that with that, 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 that amount of heat. Um, you know, the lower you go in atmosphere, it just, that, that, that friction coefficient just goes up and up and up. And we, we have historical data going back to the fifties where the thing sixties where the thing for track doing eight, nine, 10,000 miles an hour. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we have seen uh, a, 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 if you will, a, a steady increase in their capabilities. The capabilities seem to be the same. What we do see is a, an increased prevalence of, of these things being seen. Uh, and we don't know if that's a function of simply technology. Everybody now has a cell phone. Uh, the world is more densely populated. Uh, it could be, or it could be that there really is an increased prevalence. We, we don't know yet. Um, you know, there's, there's data to suggest both may be true. And on that data, the line is now famous. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the essay. Can you tell us how often there were multiple UAPs reported compared to an individual craft? Was it a pattern recognized or any takeaway from that? Well, they were flying in a, in a V formation, um, you know, that, that we do know. Um, and, and more of these things were tracked and actually seen with the naked eye. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's interesting because some of the historical videos that have described a triangular vehicle, um, you know, the problem is when you're looking at a blank sky and you see three points of light, there's no reference, there's no depth. And the question is, are you actually, is there an object in the middle? Is there a solid object in the middle or is it really three separate, you know, vehicles, so to speak, uh, or, or points of light. And, uh, you know, orientation also means means a lot. And so it's, it's difficult. We have seen cases where we thought we saw uh, a, a, some some material, in between, if you will, a triangular craft, and it turned out later that it was actually three separate UAP. And then other cases, it turns out where we think we see three separate UAP, and it's actually part of a, a, a single vehicle. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's probably too early to tell right now, um, you know, is there is there a greater frequency of, of um, vehicles flying in formation and are, are they do they accompany uh, other UAP? Certainly that 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 has happened. There's a lot of data that suggests sometimes they fly together. They even can. It looks like uh, some of these things are actually kicked off almost like uh, think of a drone or a UAV coming from a mothership, if you will. I hate to use that term, but, you know, from a, from a, a yeah. larger vehicle, a larger craft. Um, I, I, th I think it's, you know, I, I don't know if there's been any real analysis to, to make a determination that, um, you know, most UAP incidents involve a fleet of them, right? As we heard, as you're talking about the famous video, look on the ASA, right? Um I don't. I don't know. I, I I do know that that there's there's data on, on both both singular craft and and multiple vehicles being being seen and 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 interacting with each other to some degree. You know, it goes back. It's interesting. There's some old historical reporting uh, from the uh, from right before the, the beginning of the Renaissance uh, during the, the Middle Ages uh, in the 1600s actually. So in in Nuremberg, uh, the Nurem, famous Nuremberg incident, 
in Germany where uh, a lot of different shaped vehicles, lenticular craft and cylindrical craft and triangular craft, little orbs of light uh, seem to be interacting with each other. And some even described it that there was some sort of aerial dogfight uh, between, between vehicles. Um, obviously, this is centuries before my time, so I, I certainly can't speak uh, in an articulate manner uh, regarding that incident. But you know, there were there were a lot of eyewitnesses that 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 discussed that uh, of these of these vehicles flying in, in, in formation, if you will. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With sixty seven percent of listeners remembering brands and sixty three percent making a purchase after hearing them. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's Creator Network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's mission is to make podcast advertisements as easy and accessible to business owners as Google or Facebook. Host-read ads like this are the most effective form of podcast advertising. Zencaster works with podcasters to help create unique to them ad spots that create brand awareness and conversion. Zencaster's Creator Network is the perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favourite creators like me. I've worked with Zencaster now for some time and they truly put the content creators and the listeners at the heart of what they do. As a huge fan of podcasts myself, and I really mean that, I love podcasts, I often buy products or services that I find useful to me based on those pods that I'm listening to. It supports them and there's usually a good discount to go along with it. So if you're interested in sponsoring this show or another podcast with adverts for your business, go to zen.ai forward slash that UFO pod one, that's the number one, or click the link in the description and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. You mentioned an increase in sightings, you know, is that down to us having more more cell phones or, or Navy technologies, military technology improving month on month, maybe week on week? Are they noticing us noticing them more? Well, they certainly are aware that that we are now aware. Um, you know, Dave Fravor actually talks about as he goes to engage and, and cut the gap uh, and, and try to engage this tic tac. It orientated itself at him, pointed at him, and and kept a safe distance from his aircraft and and kind of mirrored his maneuvers uh, in order to 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 keep a safe distance. Uh, and then you know, bang! As as he starts to close the gap, it. <laughs> It then demonstrates that it's not, it's not very happy with Dave Fravor. And so uh, it, it, it disappears over the horizon. Uh, you know, it, it, there does seem to be some sort of awareness there. Uh, it's not like, um, you know, we're walking uh, in the desert. And there's, you know, we, we don't notice the ants on the floor. Uh, they, they, it definitely seems that they are very well aware of our presence uh, and, 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 and respond accordingly. Uh, you know, people talk about communication, but, you know, when I when I when I take a treat and I tell my dog to sit and the dog sits, you know, I'm, I'm training the dog. But at the same time, the dog is trained me when the dog, you know, whines and wants to go outside. The dog has trained me to go open the door because he needs to go to the bathroom. Right. So it, it, it's communication doesn't have to be verbal. Um, and, you know, one can surmise that, you know, by us doing certain things and it responds accordingly, that's a form of communication. And, you know, it, we, we do see that there's an interest, a keen interest in our nuclear equities. Um, so anyways, there, there you have it. I, I, I think it's, um, I think there's definitely an awareness of, of, of our presence. That's, that's pretty clear. 
Dave Fravor's incident has been well documented and, and Commander Fravor talked about it on several shows. Have you spoken to other pilots who have had incidents as spectacular as that, that close? Absolutely. And have they absolutely. described very similar behaviours or anything different? Yeah, absolutely. Both similar and different. Um, it's, you know, it's really an enigma. Um, there's pilots who have tried to engage it. There's, there's a pilot I spoke to in South America who ever had like a thousand eyewitnesses. They were doing a formation on the air, on the tarmac. And, and there was this UAP over the, the, the air base. And so they scrambled one of the, at the time, one of the most premier fighter aircraft, Russian fighter aircraft to, to, to engage this thing. And, uh, you know, he fired his, his, his cannons at it and, um, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't do a damn thing. Um, you know, there's, there's other ones where these things will come in, uh, you know, right next to the aircraft, right off the wingtip and just kind of almost like, almost like it, it's unbelievable. Almost like, like <laughs> fly as a wingman for a while, almost like, like play with the pilot, you know, almost in a, in a, uh, I, I hate to say playful way because we really don't know, but, but there doesn't seem to be any obvious signs of aggression. Uh, almost kind of like, Hey, you know, let, let's go play and let me, let me, let me show you what I can do. Right. Um, so that's that's been reported as well. It sounds like dolphins when they swim alongside boats and they'll do it flips does, and maneuvers and, and then just go yeah. off and do their own thing. Yeah, they ride the, the, the bow wave, right? And and uh, you know, they'll they'll kind of demonstrate look 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 how maneuverable I am in the water, right? And I can flip and turn and spin and you know, here you are just <laughs> plowing through the waves. Um yeah, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good analogy. You mentioned, interestingly, uh, going back to the past, different shapes of craft, lenticular and such. And excuse the slightly longer question here. Um, part of the recently declassified but heavily redacted UAP task force report contained a page on the shape of UAP. Uh, Tic Tacs seem to have replaced the classic saucer shape in terms of the go-to descriptor that you see online from, from people these days. However, to your knowledge, are the US military and others still encountering a range of shaped craft? that are categorically not adversarial technologies? Um, you're asking me two different questions, actually. Uh, you're asking me, are they still encountering different shapes craft? Yes, absolutely. It's not just Tic Tacs. Um, but the second part of your question is, you know, are they, are, are they certainly not uh, adversarial technology? What I can say is we think that they're not adversarial technology. You don't know what you don't know. Um, it, it's highly unlikely that 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 some of these are foreign technology, but as we continue to evolve technologically speaking, we're getting more and more advanced in our in our capabilities. And so, at some point, we may find ourselves in a situation where some of these UAP could absolutely be replicated by by a foreign government. Um, I, I don't think we're there yet, and I think that the general consensus by the intelligence communities that that, that we're not there yet, but. But at some point, the more we understand and learn about these things, the more we may have the ability to replicate some of their performance. And your answer, would that be the reason or one of the reasons that that page is so heavily redacted is because if if, if the US government show that we know there's this shape, this shape and this shape, and it turns out those are actually Chinese drones, you don't want the Chinese to know that you know they have that option. Precisely. You know, you don't, you don't ever want to broadcast your, 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 your vulnerabilities. And you also don't want to broadcast what you know about your enemy. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's very important. It's part of counterintelligence. You don't, you don't want to reveal, it's like playing a game of chess. You don't want to tell your enemy what your next move is. And you don't want to tell your enemy what your own pieces are capable of. Um, that's, that's you know, not a very smart way to pay, 
play play chess. Um, so you're 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 absolutely correct. That's that's one certainly one reason to keep things classified. Any other reasons? If that's one of them that you could go into, yeah, I mean. <laughs> We could spend here all day talking about why we we classify information. Um, you know, Particularly, usually... I suppose the shape. Sorry, I should I should have give you context there. The, the the actual shape of the objects. Why would that be classified? Um, you know, there's something called blue force and red force capabilities. Blue force uh, are are considered your own technologies. Red force are considered the technologies of your adversaries. Um, you know, we spend billions of dollars each year in research and development trying to keep a competitive advantage over our adversaries. Um, you know, we, we, we do have some very sophisticated technologies that I'm certainly not going to go into. Um, and you want to protect those equities, you know. Um, you know, it, it, is it possible in, in the past that some people have confused UFOs with, with advanced secret U.S. technology? Well, sure, we know that. That happened with the with B-2 bomber program. People would report the the black flying wing, you know, and, and also the the old wobbly goblin, the F, F uh, you know, the one seventeen, uh, the night night fighter. Um, you know, people people often look. We even see it right now in, in in the commercial world, right? With 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 Elon Musk and Starlink, people re, you know see these chains of satellites. I, I see them all the time out here in Wyoming. That this chain of satellites, fifty sixty long in a string, almost like a string of pearls, and. And people report that as being UFOs, uh, because if you've never seen it before, then certainly it's going to be it's going to be something that's going to be novel and it's going to pique your interest. And, and you know, it may seem like an unidentified flying object when in reality it's it's just a new type of technology. Um, the government wants to protect a lot of those key technologies, not not startling necessarily, but but other technologies that we, we employ and develop because we spend a lot of money on it. Right. And we don't want an adversary coming in and stealing it. And then, you know, having that, that same that same advantage on the battle space. So there's all sorts of reasons. Um, again, I mean, we could spend here probably the next three hours if you really wanted to and talk about it. But, you know, there's there's good reason why why even the shapes of vehicles may may wind up being redacted, uh, because a shape can tell you a lot. You know, let's 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 look at this little aircraft here for a moment. Right. Um, if I were to show you this. And compare this to, let's say, the model of a biplane, right? Well, just by looking at the shape of this, this probably tells you a whole lot, right? You have a, a delta wing configuration, um, small uh, control surfaces, uh, so you can assume this is probably going to fly very, very fast. When you look at the intakes, the intakes are on top of the aircraft, on top of the airframe, not below. So that probably tells you that this this is a vehicle that is designed to to have a, a low signature. You know, you, you can tell a lot by, by, by a simple shape, you know, and, um, you know, this is just a, a little, little toy, right? So, so yeah, there's, there's reasons why you want to keep certain things classified and, and, and shapes can tell you a lot. They can tell you physical characteristics and even performance capabilities and, and potentially even, uh, you know, something manned or unmanned. Um, so there you have it. Uh, and last year, Lou, on some interviews, you mentioned China was potentially going to attempt to raise the UEP issue within the UN. Is that something that is still progressing that you can speak about? Well, they did. Um, they did. It was called the Five Continents Initiative, and uh, they were behind that. And it uh, uh, did not go, I, I think, as planned. Um, I think people became very wise very quickly as to, to you know, we, you don't want one nation controlling the narrative. Uh, and that includes the United States. Uh, you know, this is something that impacts everyone. 
I think everybody should have 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 an equal say in this topic uh, from a governmental perspective. And this is why we've tried to to what I've I've said before, democratize the conversation. Um, you know, the problem for the last 70 years is that we haven't democratized the conversation. It's been held in, in small enclaves of organizations and institutions uh, and, and governments. And, and that hasn't been very helpful towards transparency. So so we are trying to democratize the conversation. And I think the United Nations is certainly someplace that would be, be very good to have this conversation on an international level. Furthermore, there's efforts we see with Italy right now and, and the, the small Republic of San Marino, by the way, the longest standing Republic uh, in the entire world since the 1300s. I had the honor and privilege of going there and speaking to some members of, of, of the government of San Marino, you know, and, and maybe having a small enclave like that would be great to, to, you know, have a, an annual, uh, UN meeting on, on, um, on this topic. You know, there was an initiative called the Titan. Titan is the name of the mountain there in San Marino. Uh, uh, and it, Titan was chosen as a name to, to uh, perhaps try and get the rest of the world on board with having a summit, if you will, an international summit on the, on the UAP topic uh, hosted there by San Marino. Uh, San Marino is a neutral country. They have it even, even during the World War II. Um, you know, it's a bit of a, a Switzerland. And, uh, you know, there, there, there seems to be some interest. And, and I, for one, think it's a great idea. You know, so I, I think international uh, involvement is critical. Uh, I don't think that China should be, should be leading the effort, um, just like I don't think U.S. should be leading the effort. You know, it's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to offend anybody who, you know, is, is from China. What I'm simply saying is that, that no one country should, should own the narrative or control the narrative. Lou, I'm going to move on to discuss the present. So we've we've covered the past there quite well, I think, and appreciate the answers. Um, you, of course, I'm going to discuss Gary Reed. However, I would point people to Ryan Robbins. Uh, if you search UFO Jesus on YouTube, done a, a 37 minute interview, which dropped on the 22nd of April, which covers that, that situation in quite a lot of detail and covers it quite well, Lou. And I'll put the links for that in the description. However, I, I do want to know, um, you stated on that interview that Gary Reed made progress on the UAP topic difficult. Is the road now clearer for others who are on the side of progress within the government to come forward? Or is this a Hydra type situation where you cut off one head and two more will take its place? No, I think it certainly made it easier. The problem is that in the government, there's still elements that don't appreciate the topic. They, 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 consider, they consider this issue of UAP as, as an issue of, of air clutter and, and space trash, space junk. And, you know, with the hopes of, well, if we can identify more air clutter and space junk, then we can, you know, put this to bed and, and UFOs are, 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 are not real. Um, that's not the case. UFOs are, represent breakaway technology. UFOs, UAP, are, are, it represents breakaway technology. It's not, it's not a matter of air trash. Yes, we have air trash out there, and we have clutter, and there's, you know, there's laws that require U.S. air domain awareness, but those laws have been around forever. I mean, they've been around for a long, long time, especially after 9-11. There was really an increased emphasis on trying to figure out what's in our airspace. But don't lump, don't make the mistake of lumping UAP, which represents something completely different as an air clutter issue or an air trash issue. That, that, that's a mistake. And so, you know, trying to have that discussion with, with bureaucrats who don't, they just don't get it, right? And they just, they want this monkey off their back and they want to answer, answer Congress and scratch that itch so they can move on to do other things. 
that's that's not going to happen. And and I, I you know I don't know how to tell people politely who are still in these positions of, of, of power and influence, but but that's a mistake. And, and and you're not you're not meeting the intent of Congress if you think that you're going to wrap this up as air clutter issue uh, or space junk. Then um, you know you, you 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 probably need to start looking for another job at some point because that's that's not the intent of Congress and and it's um it's it's not the intent of the American people certainly and so um, that's you know that's that's one of the concerns I have right now and and making sure that people remain informed and, and educated about this topic. Um, you know, it's complex and, and people want to know, and, you know, the UFO hobbyist out there, you know, doesn't really necessarily appreciate all the nuances, what's going on right now. I mean, this is, this is, we're still in a fight. We're still in a battle. We, we, we won a significant battle, but the war is not over uh, regarding transparency in this topic. It's, it's, it's hard fought every single day. We are engaged in trying to get this topic elevated where it needs to be elevated and having the intent of Congress met because ultimately the intent of Congress is the intent of the American people. They work for their constituents. Their constituents have spoken. We want this addressed. So, so anybody who is in the executive branch who thinks that, you know, addressing this as just, you know, air clutter and air trash, you're not, you're not meeting the will and the intent of the American people ultimately. And, and that's a problem because your job is to serve the American people. You know? And so that's why I say, look, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be polite, but you don't want to make that mistake. You know, you get, please look, look at look at what's just happened. You know, if you you are not serving the intent of the American people, then then chances are you're not going to last very long in the government uh, because people are now wise to this topic, and they're not going to get let you get away with your sophistication. Uh, that's that's not going to occur. Certainly not why why while people like me and, and Chris Mellon are alive. That's we, we have no problem, uh, there's a vernacular calling, I guess, in, in cards, calling the spade a spade, right, uh, in, in, in cards. Um, we have no problem doing that. It's, it's, um, I have no problem addressing um, malfeasance. Uh, I have no problem addressing uh, ineptitude and corruptness. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not at all opposed to uh, calling people out on that on, on national TV and the media, because ultimately we have to hold these people accountable. Their job is to, to, to in essence, um, represent the will of the people and, and to execute the will of the people. And uh, if they don't do that, you know, again, probably better, better, better off finding another job. Many of those people you talk about who have an interest in this subject are eagerly awaiting the the next video to hopefully be declassified or leaked or dropped. Someone to show us the famous photographs that, you know, the black triangles, whatever they may be, whether they really exist or not. Something that is coming is your book. And uh, is that finished yet? Uh, I am I am working very diligently on it. Um, I'm, I, it's, I'm definitely progressing quite well with it. Um, I want to be very careful, you know, always manage expectations. I'd rather under promise and over deliver if, uh, if I, if I have my choice, but I know that it is, it is coming along quite well. Uh, I'm, I'm working on it um, very diligently and, and I, I think it's going to be very uh, informative when it, when it comes out. Is it a book that you want to write or is it a book that you need to write? Uh, it's a book I need to write. Um, no, it's, it's a lot of work. I don't want to write the book. 
it, it needs to be written because people need to know the truth. Because once you write that book and it's in writing, it can never be taken away. Um, and that is, you know, think of a, a slide rule, right? I want to make a point using this book where we can never go backwards in time. You'll never be able, you might slow progress uh, if you are, uh, you know, in charge of, of this effort, but you'll never be able to put it back, the genie back in the bottle because the book will be definitive and it's going to say, this is what happened and this is what's happening and these are the facts. And then at that point, you know, people can use that as, as hopefully a, a, a new starting point for this conversation. What's been the hardest part of writing the book? Wow. Um, you know, you can only put so much in a book. <laughs> um, you can only put, you know, 300 so pages. I mean, I, I could put 1,000 pages, 2,000 pages in this. So it's, it's the hardest part is probably figuring out what, what you have to leave out, what you have to cut out, um, just because there's, there's so much information that, that's available. This is, this is still, I mean, this, this is still, the book's writing itself right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's still evolving, right? Because every day there's new information and new things that are happening. Um, that, that, you know, have to be in the book. And I guess, you know, the biggest concern is I have the book and all of a sudden it comes out, but you know, during that time it's being published, there's more information that really should be in the book. And so you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, um, it, it's a bit of a, a frustration because it's, it's, this topic is evolving so quickly now that, uh, it's, 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 it's almost impossible to make the determination. Okay. What, you know, do I put this in and leave this out or do I put that in and leave this out? Right. And it's, uh, it's, but I, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be very helpful for the discussion. The things that you do leave out are what people like me will ask you when you come to talk about the book yeah, on, on shows in the future. Um, one of those shows that people ask about uh, is Joe Rogan. Now, Chris Mellon has been on Joe Rogan. Dave Fravor has been on Joe Rogan, George Knapp. You, as of yet, are still uh, conspicuous by your absence has that been something that has been planned and never happened or is it something that's in the future for you hi everyone andy here this is a special announcement for folks who listen to the show via spotify you can now support the pod directly through spotify for less than the price of a coffee each month giving you ad-free content no sponsorships early access and bonus shows as well so many of you have chosen to support the show through patreon and apple premium and i appreciate this has been a long time coming for spotify listeners just search that ufo podcast premium in spotify or click the link in this description for this announcement otherwise apple premium is still available with a two-week free trial as well again from less than the price of a coffee or you can sign up for patreon for the additional benefits that come with those tiers Again, thank you to everyone who supports the podcast and just listens to the shows. Lots of great content to come. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
intelligence are a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more.